Welcome to the Redeemer Coast podcast. Our prayer is that this message will inspire hope, build your faith, and encourage you with God's purposes for your life. continuing with our series, The ABCs of Faith, uh, like I mentioned, we're spending some time going through uh, distinctives, which are really um, core beliefs of any church, but beliefs that we uh, have especially feel led to focus on at Redeemer Coast. And so we're doing a series on, um, on the ABCs of faith at the moment. So, uh, of course, leading into Mark 11, uh, Jesus was walking in the day before he's walking into Jerusalem and uh, he's expecting some fruit on a fig tree. There's no fruit on the fig tree. He curses the fig tree and he goes into, into town. Kind of random, really. <laughs> random thing to walk around cursing a fig tree. Um, but I, I guess I'm thinking it was going to be by way of illustration. All right? He walks out that afternoon and you can bet, knowing Peter, especially knowing the other disciples, that they were looking at that fig tree to see if anything would happen, and apparently nothing had happened. Okay? Uh, which is interesting just in itself, because you notice Jesus didn't say, oops, I guess nothing's happening, I better curse it again. All right? Didn't say that. Just kept walking. Probably even ignored it. And probably the really obedient disciples were just following Jesus' lead, but I bet you Peter was like this looking at it. Turn around the next morning, come back in, and the fig, the fig tree has withered up from its roots. And Jesus takes this opportunity to give them a lesson in faith. So verse 21, being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you curse has withered. And Jesus answered, saying to him, have faith in God. Now that expression, have faith in God, some literal translations will say, have the faith of God. And some would say, have the God kind of faith. You know, in the, uh, how he said it, which would have been Aramaic, translated into Greek, can have, can be read different ways. There's a similar, uh, similar in Romans where it says, uh, have, have faith like Abraham, or have the faith of Abraham. Now that doesn't mean that Abraham's faith is just dropped into our heart, okay? Doesn't mean that God's faith is dropped into our heart, though there is a gift of faith, that's another subject, all right? But what it does mean is that he is our model of how to operate faith. So have faith, use faith like God uses faith. Okay? And it, it's just melded together. Have faith in God and use faith the way God uses faith. And then Jesus illustrates it. He says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to them. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. Um, so we have gone through already uh, what is faith, and, uh, and we just didn't come up with any sort of brand new dazzling definitions, use Vines Expository Greek Dictionary of Bible Words. Faith is an assurance, faith is a conviction, faith is a firm persuasion, often based upon what you hear. 
So if you're fully persuaded about something, if, you're convict if you've got that strong conviction, if you believe it, then that is your faith. Okay? Nowhere does anywhere say faith is a feeling. Right? So uh, if we're looking in times of trouble, we're looking for faith. We don't go to the kitchen cupboard that says feelings. Okay? Because you open that cupboard and all the Tupperware falls out. You know? And the thing with Tupperware, you know, when it falls on you, it is never the one you're looking for. Is it? It's a spiritual law. Alright? Same with faith. If you go to that cupboard of feelings, then you'll never find faith. Oftentimes, sometimes your feelings will line up with your faith, but you know, especially in times of where you need strong faith, you can be sure it won't. Of course, I gave you an illustration of abseiling. Even though you have a strong conviction that rope can, can hold you, and the carabiner and the figure eight can hold you, your brain and your feelings are still saying, I'm going to die, you know what I mean? And yet you know that it's going to hold you, and that knowledge, that firm conviction, that persuasion is faith. All right? It's not some spiritual goo that floats around the atmosphere. The bigger the opposition, the louder your flesh and your emotions will cry, but that's the Tupperware cupboard. It's not the faith cupboard. When you want to find out what you believe, you ask yourself, what is it that I believe, especially from God's Word? How faith comes? Faith comes by hearing God's Word and being fully persuaded that it's true. Strongest faith comes from hearing God's Word and according to the parable of the sower, understanding God's Word and then holding to that in spite of circumstances. So you're fully persuaded of it that when Satan comes and tests you with opposition knowledge, with opposition circumstances, you say, no, I know what God says. Right? That's strong faith. Okay? That's the A's and the B's. The C's is faith must be released. And it's interesting in this verse, you notice that, um, and, and in Matthew's uh, rendition of this, and understand that uh, Jesus would have taught the same things a few times. He was a traveling preacher. Just be warned, when traveling preachers come, that's their best sermon. Okay? All right? So he, uh, he um, in Matthew, he introduces this. He says, if you have a faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain. So he was emphasizing that it's not so much the size or the amount of faith you have as what you do with that faith. Right? Faith must be released for it to be effective. And Jesus here highlights as much, if not more, the actions of faith for it to work on that mountain. He says, saying to them, have faith in God, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast in sea, does not doubt in his heart, believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. What will be granted to him? What he says will be granted to him. Okay? Now, it's interesting, a couple of things, backtrack. He says, whoever, whoever believes in his heart, okay, generally, nine times out of ten, when God's talking about your heart, he's talking about your spiritual being. Okay? We are, we are spiritual. We're eternal. Uh, we have a soul. And generally, that's talking about our emotions or our mind. And we have a flesh. So humans generally are uh, uh, spiritual being. You have a soul. And you, have, and, and you walk in the flesh. And so Jesus was implying here that there will be times when your brain and your feelings scream against what you're believing. You know, he could have just said, does not doubt, but he actually said, does not doubt in your heart. He qualified that. He qualified that because 
he was aware that there'll be times you'll be believing something, saying something, and your mind will be going, that's just crazy. Okay? So you can have a firm conviction down here. Right? And we know that's true because we know that Abraham and Sarah, they actually considered their body and, and uh, old, and then they, they um, judged God faithful. All right? That was, Abra that was Sarah, and Abraham judged God able. So you know there's often a conflict in your emotions between that and faith. But faith must be released. All right? And um, so let's turn to uh, Acts 14, and there's a great example here of Paul in Lydia, or Lystra, I think. He'd just been kicked out of um, one city. It was in Lystra, Acts 14, verse 8. At Lystra, a man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. And the man was listening to Paul, who, when Paul fixed his gaze on him, had seen that the man had faith to be made well. Now, this is just a few interesting things in there, because, uh, one, it says when he had heard Paul's preaching. So the implication is that before then, he didn't have the faith. After hearing the preaching, he had faith. So you've got to ask yourself, what was Paul preaching? Now I can tell you he wasn't preaching about tithes and offerings. Okay? He wasn't preaching about the love walk. He wasn't preaching about uh, necessarily about the righteousness we had in Christ. He had to be preaching something which built faith in that area. Interesting. So the gospel that Paul preached included a gospel of healing. All right? And then, and then seeing that he had faith. If you have faith must be expressed in the natural realm for it to work. So he was, I've been, I was at a T.L. Osborne crusade in Sydney once and I noticed two guys in wheelchairs, one down here and one on the opposite side of the arena. This was probably 1984. On the opposite side of the arena and um, there, there was actually a year, millennials, called 1984. It's not a book. All right? There was actually a year, 1984. And, and, and T.L. Osborne has, uh, has uh, passed away a few years ago, but had a, a, a marvellous evangelic ministry with signs following. And I noticed this guy sitting there, and he was uh, doing everything else other than listening to the word. Uh, and I mean that. It was quite sad. And obviously he had some sort of faith that healing would come to him through working of miracles or gifts. You know? but even those need to be accepted by faith. All right? And so he was just not there. He was not there. Um, interestingly, when, uh, when God uh, told Moses to come up the mountain, he said, come up the mountain and be there. Like, be there. As in, be there. Right? Just be. Right? And then on the other side, you could tell this other guy in a wheelchair, he's flipped every, every verse. He flipped it. He was going to check what, what he saw was true. Flipped through. You could tell him underlining, taking notes, both of them in a wheelchair. 
And then when it came time for the prayer of faith, all right, they both went forward and it, it was the guy in the wheelchair got nothing or if he got something, he didn't know he had it, he stayed in the wheelchair. And the other guy, the power of God went into him and he was healed and he got up and walked. All right? So um, faith, faith, for faith to be active in the physical realm, the temporal realm, it needs to be actioned upon. Okay? And Paul, seeing this guy, had faith. So I would say it probably looked like this. You know, and you know, I can tell you when you're preaching, you can see that. It's like, yes, <laughs> yeah, it's getting, the penny's dropping, yes. And then it said, and Paul said to him in a loud voice, stand up and walk. And he stood up and walked. Now, if he had had the faith and not gone to stand up and walk, would he have received it in the flesh? And the answer is no. And you can go, once this drops with you, you can go through the Bible time and time and time again. The lepers were healed when they, when they, when they went, as they were going, uh, the, with the crippled hand. He said, stretch out your hand. How am I going to stretch out your hand? Stretch out your hand. How am I going to stretch out? Stretch out your hand. And then as he went to stretch it out, he was healed. All right? So um, we'll see it over and over and over in the Bible. Faith must be released. You know, and even baby Christians know this. When, what happens with us Christians who have been around for a while, so I was saved on the 17th of January 1975, which if you remember was a Thursday. Okay. <laughs> All right. And we've been around, we've seen things, guys. We've seen things, we've, haven't we? Honestly, we've seen people prayed for and no, no visible, haven't we? We've seen that. Okay? And so our faith tends to be tempered or hardened or calloused by those things. And we come to even just emotionally believe um, that as well as the scripture. You know what I mean? And our faith gets mixed. But even baby Christians know that you've got to act on your faith. All right? So we had to, when we went to Bible college in uh, Rama, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, uh, Elise was not born. She came second year. But our eldest, Lauren and Luke, were born. And so we had to um, arrange for a babysitter. And we heard there was a great couple, uh, uh, Larry and Kim Zesma, and that they ran a little daycare in their house. And we went and met them. And uh, they seemed a lovely couple. They were from New York. <laughs> from New York. All right. You're from New York? Yeah. Okay. I don't think you'll know, I don't think you'll know Larry because you'll find out later why. And um, so we booked them into the daycare. Now, our first suspicions that something here wasn't quite going right um, was when, um, when the weather started to turn cold. And uh, I come to the door, and I'd come from Australia, so I didn't have these long overcoats. And Larry goes, goes Grant, I got, he was Italian. Grant, I got something for you. Stay there. And he, he goes, he pulls out, he brings out this full-length, Pierre Cardin overcoat, pure wool, red lined on the inside, Pierre Cardin overcoat all the way down here. <laughs> Richard, that's beautiful, it's yours, brother. I mean, I'm talking about it like an $800 overcoat. <laughs> that's yours, brother. Hang on, I got something else for you, brother. <laughs> and he goes in and, and he pulls out, he pulls, comes out and he goes at this three quarter length down to here, black, genuine leather, top hide overcoat, satin lined again. Yes, you have this one as well. Right, so I just walked out of there with thousands of dollars worth. I thought, something's not right here. Just something. My second clue 
was that Luke, and any of you know Luke, so Luke represented Queensland as a front row forward under 18, rugby union. So he's a tough nut. And there was a guy in there from an African nation um, who was, uh, it's an African nation that's commonly known for people being, you know, and he was, uh, and he was being bullied. And uh, so one day we got to pick up Luke and um, Larry said, you know what, I think Luke's going to be all right. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you might know, but he's been bullied by it, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be all right now. I said, <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he said, because this kid was rat bullying him again. Luke grabbed his head, he rammed it into the plaster wall, he put, put a dent in the wall, and the guy hasn't bothered him since. <laughs> it's going to be all right, you know. <laughs> and then, I, then we started to ask some questions. All right, you started to ask some questions. So this is right, this is not daddy daycare, this is like <laughs> something about this daycare. It turns out that he still had five grand jury indictments out for him, and he was New York Mafia, New York mob, had been saved in prison uh, for an assault with a knife, and, and then and one of the workers who had shared in the gospel was uh, Kim. He got saved, and soon he was still on parole. As soon as he came out, though, he left New York. The only way I can get out of here is to get away from his family, <laughs> right. and he went down, and uh, he, they drove down oh, like Route 66, right into Tulsa, driving through there, and they see on the side of the road this big, because Raymond's got this huge face shield that's like eight meters high and wide, it's a faith, and they drove into there, and it's a Bible college, they signed him up for Bible college, and bought him his first Bible. And he, the first time he opened the Bible was his first lesson of Bible college, they then told the parole where they were, and they said, you stay there, you'll be right. So to this day, still has five grand jury indictments out, out on him. So all we find this after we've signed them up for daycare. This is, this is who's running the daycare, you know. Anyway, come, uh, then come November, and it's, um, come November, and it's Thanksgiving, and he was, Larry was in second year, and uh, um, He's telling us this story about, uh, so Larry was running a takeaway and he had a Raymond student, uh, a Bible college student, running uh, the drive-through and um, he lived with another student who was from out of town and didn't have any friends. So, so the mafia guy uh, had uh, a guy working for him who was sharing a house with another student. The other student didn't have any friends. So Larry's saying, so we got invited around to their house for, for Thanksgiving and then he's saying, um, he's saying, so telling me about this guy who's working in the drive-through. So, so I said to him, said, "What are you doing with, you know, such and such for Thanksgiving?" I said, "You having him for Thanksgiving?" Oh no, 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 he'll find his own place. Said, what do you mean he'll find his own place? He's got no one here. He said, "No, no, no, we're going to such and such." He said, "So I grabbed him by the shirt and I threw him up the wall." He said, "You gotta walk in love." <laughs> So, you know, even baby Christians know if you believe something, of course, it has to be put into action for it to be in effect. All right? And it's not just the natural, because what happens, God is spirit, we're spirit, but he's placed us in this temporal realm. And we have authority here. We, he gave us authority. So us acting, speaking our faith allows the power of God to be released in a situation. 
All right? Um, we know this, uh, Linda and I know this personally, because there was one time we didn't go to church for six weeks. And I go, mm-hmm. all right, and I have to confess, we were newly married, and we, I had just got a job, it was a shift, shift working job, and I, was, I wasn't happy with it, and then we got a job, and we moved in our first flat, and we just weren't comfortable in the church. Everyone knows that feeling. And, and so we just, you know, oh, let's wake up late one morning, and then, Listen, no one here would understand this. <laughs> I know. No, woke up late one morning, you know, and this, that, and the other, and eventually, because the next week it's easier, and the next week it's easier, you know. And who knows when that starts to happen, especially if you've got a conviction that you're supposed to be in the house of God, I'm talking about me, right, then um, life starts to go pear-shaped. And it started to go pear-shaped, all right? And we come to week six, and we sat back and realized we haven't been to church for six weeks. We haven't given in the house of the Lord for six weeks. And I'm believing God for a different job. Linda's believing God for a different job. I'd applied for a job at one of the elite private schools in Canberra. And it was just way beyond my pay school. Uh, it, was, it was in an area that I'd only done once or one unit on at university. And, you know, and we decided to go to church. And we sat through church, all right? gave our tithes and offerings, if only for the reason that it's about honouring God, all right, and knowing that we need Him. The next week, I got an interview for this job, and this is, you know, and I got this job, and the boss of the department said to me, I don't know how you got this job, Grant. <laughs> he actually said, I don't know how you got this job. I'd done one unit. There was a phys ed teacher in elite, in elite school. I got the job, stayed there for seven years, and became a head of the department. Linda went for a job there. She, she stayed there for seven years and got there. Now, it's not, it's not, listen, doing those things, it's not a works thing. It's a faith thing. Because when we start relying on ourselves and saying we don't need that, and we start putting our, stop putting our faith into action in the physical world, then we're really denying God access into our life. We're really saying, I actually don't need you, Lord. I can do this myself. And it changed our life around. Well, turn with me to Hebrews 11, because if this is true, faith in action will look like and sound like what it's believing. Okay, will look like and sound like it's what it's believing. So Hebrews 11 um, is, of course, the classic faith, um, faith scripture that everyone knows about. And we're just going to look at a few examples here. Hebrews 11, verse 3. I will start from verse 1. That's good. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. For by it, um, men of old gained approval. Now, that is a description of faith in action. So, this is how faith works, as evidence of things not seen. All right? And then it says, this is an amazing verse. By faith we understand. So, by faith, the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. That's an amazing statement. Firstly, just stepping back, that's an amazing apologetic statement because up until, you know, 1920, science just believed that the world was eternal, always existed. But it's one of the very few scientific statements in the Bible that says everything that is material and visible was made from what is not visible. Okay? 
But the other interesting thing, that was just a little side journey for you, millennials, okay? All right? So the other um, interesting, really interesting thing here is that by faith, the universe was prepared by the word of God. That's not Logos, that is the spoken word of God. That's Rhema. Which means that in God's mind, he dreamed, he dreamed the universe. And it says there the worlds, which is the other interesting thing there, backtracking to apologetics, it says the worlds, which means everything you see around you, not just this world, right? It's all those worlds out there were prepared by the word of God. Now, that word, that prepare means like a recipe, like you're designing it and you're planning it and you're speaking it. And so the planning of that word was done, of the, all those worlds was done by God's spoken word. And when you start to, we're hoping to, to bring up um, someone from the University of Sydney. You know, we're looking to have him at the university up here. Uh, he's written a book called The Fortunate Universe about the fine-tuning of the universe. Now, if you, if you understand the amazing planning that had to go into what was going here. So there was nothing physical that could be seen with the eye. All there was was spiritual, and God planned it by speaking it, and he spoke it, it was going to be this way, and kaboom. Alright? That is how God operates faith. If we're to have the faith of God, and operate faith like God operates faith, then there's things, because faith will trans, transform our destiny. Uh, transform faith, faith in God's word and his promises for us and who we are will change what is was going to otherwise happen to our life, to good things, to God's plan. And we prepare that with our words. We, we speak those things like we're speaking them. We speak good over our life. Uh, we, speak, we always speak good over our children's life. We always pray, Lord, that they would grow up to love and serve the Lord. Okay, they would be happy and obedient and grow up to love and serve the Lord. And that was our confession right from day one. It's a good confession to have over children. So we prepared their life by speaking God's word over them. Right? Faith must be released. The primary method that faith being released is through your words and your actions. What does faith look like? Faith sounds and looks like what it believes. Faith sounds and looks like what it believes. So let's continue through Hebrews. And if you've got a pen with you, you can mark your Bible. If you can't mark your Bible, if anyone here can't mark, you can't mark your Bible, just give that Bible to someone else and then buy one that you can mark. Okay? Um, so if you've got a little highlighter, you can highlight it on that. Because if that's true, then we'll see it here. Because we'll, we'll see that these guys, the, the, the roll call of faith, that these guys believe something. And because they believe something, they did something. And because they did what they believed, their faith, the Bible says, was perfected. It brought into maturity. It came to maturity. Okay? So we'll scroll down. Uh, verse 4. By faith, you want to highlight that, you highlight faith. By faith, Abel offered. By faith, Abel offered. And we will see now a noun followed by a Verb is a verb, an action word, <laughs> okay. followed by a verb, and we'll see it all the way through. Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered. Verse 6, you're going to have to work hard here, you're to keep up with me. By, without faith, it's impossible to believe him, for he who comes to God must believe 
he exists. Now, because you believe he you believe he that he is, and that he rewards those who seek him. So, because you believe that he exists and he's a rewarder, you seek him. If you don't believe that he is, and you don't believe he's a rewarder, you won't seek him, and you won't find God. If you believe that he is, and you believe that he's a rewarder, and you don't seek him, you won't find God. The same. Your faith's dormant. That's James described in faith. Your faith is in hibernation. Alright? Down to verse 7. By faith, Noah, yada, 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 everyone say yada, 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 any Seinfeld fans? By faith, Noah prepared an ark. He heard, he believed, and he actioned. Okay? Um, by faith, Abraham, yada, 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 went out. Now, if God had said to him, I've got, I've, you know, you, your, uh, your offspring will be like the stars and I've got a land promise you, and he said, oh, that's very nice, and he stayed twiddling his thumbs in Ur, he would never have got it. But by faith, he went out. Faith sounds and looks like, faith in action sounds like and looks like what it believes. And that brings it to pass. All right? If that allows God to bring it to pass. By faith, even Sarah had the ability to conceive. Now, conceive is a bird. Now, like, we've got children out. Okay? All got, okay, I need to bring this down to G-rated. All right? But Abraham and Sarah, guys, they were old. All right? And their beliefs about having children changed when they considered God faithful and they considered it able. And there had to be some action here. Okay? So singles, you just look straight ahead. All right? Uh, couples, you know what we're talking about here. All right? Marriage, you know what we're talking about. There had to be some action. They actually had to put legs on their faith. I know it's like, it's one of those things you want to get to heaven. Like, now, Abraham and Sarah, I've got to talk to you. <laughs> like, what was, you know, the, okay, there had to be action. They wouldn't have conceived without that action. And that's true. Amen. <laughs> and it's absolutely true. All right? They wouldn't conceive without that action. And, and so you understand, one of my, my pastor, Ken Hagen Jr., he says, when you mix the natural with the supernatural, it's an explosive force for God. God does it. God is his power that moves through it. But we listen, we, we form the faith, we speak and we act according as though we have that faith, as though that what we're believing is true. Therefore, whenever you ask, Jesus said, whenever you ask, believe that you have already received it and it shall be granted to you. And we can go on. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. Now, that was a, a spoken confession about what he believed over Jacob. And Jacob blessed his sons. Joseph gave orders for his body to be buried in, in, not, in, not in Egypt. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. And if we believe 
what we believe, what we have come to believe about God, about our future, about our children, about our life, about our righteousness, about who we are in Christ, about our love walk, right? For that to mature in our life and come to pass in our life, we need to take it from the eternal, put it in the temple in this realm. I'll finish with a story. Um, in 1985, January 1985, I spent some time in Africa. And um, this is worth the story's worth it. You have to get you have to get the tape. <laughs> All right. Uh, it spent some time in Africa with um, Archbishop Peter Hosa, died a few years ago, um, and a visiting ministry came in. Um, Reinhard Bonnke came in to organise uh, a crusade with Archbishop Peter Hosa in Benin City. Now Reinhard Bonnke, for those of you who don't know, is still alive. He's seventy-eight. He just uh, finished his farewell crusade which was in Lagos, I'll put a link to that on our Facebook page, 850,000 confirmed conversions. 850,000. And they're saying we're tracking them all. That's our cards that we've got. They're all on computer. They're all getting followed up. The local pastors say we've got hundreds coming in every week, new ones to their church. 850,000, right? One stage had the largest tent in the world and many, many amazing healing miracles. There's a video out there of a guy being raised from the dead underneath the stage while Bonky's preaching. The guy had been dead for days and was embalmed. Hello? Embalmed. Alright? Raises from the dead. So this is right up Bonky. So I'm there, we were getting ready for a service and at that stage I was like 70 kilos. Okay. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> okay. so I was like this stick, you know. And, and I'm there in shorts and, and I'd heard that right up Bonky was coming and in typical Nigerian fashion, no one met him at the airport. His assistant, Peter, came with him. And so he just caught a taxi to Archbishop Idahosa's compound. And I was staying in, in English missionaries. They had a, a building for um, the missionaries. There was English ones and some, some black American missionary ladies up top. And they're beautiful people. And they're serving God. But I'm here ironing, ironing away my shirt for this meeting. And I hear a knock on the door. I say, come in. And this German fellow, who I recognize straight away, of course, because I read the book and that, walks in and he comes up to me and he says, my name is Reinhard Bonnke. And I said, yes, sir, I know who you are. I said, my name is Grant Peterson. And uh, he was polite enough not to say that he didn't know who I was. But nevertheless, uh, I spent that week, uh, most of the week with him and the Archbishop and the other missionaries planning this crusade. And I was leaving to go back to Australia after that had been there five weeks. I was leaving to go back to Australia. And we had dinner at Archbishop's house with the missionaries and with Reinhard Bonnke. And then at the end of the dinner, um, uh, Archbishop asked that they would pray for me. All right, so this is the world's, um, one of the world's greatest gifts, God's greatest gift to the world of evangelism, Reinhard Bonnke with amazing miracles of healing. And he's praying for me, commissioned me for my life. So who knows you're going to listen? All right? You know, what, what word's going to, God's going to have for me? So they laid hands and they prayed, came around and prayed for me, and Reinhard Bonnke prayed for me. And I actually forget everything that he said. And, uh, you know, but he pulled me aside afterwards. And he said, Grant, he said, anyone can get a word. And anyone can get a vision but you actually have to do it. You have to do it. And of course I said, okay. 
and, and that was a most humble, obedient servant who catch cry was to bathe Africa in the blood of Jesus from Cape Town to Cairo and literally millions upon millions upon millions of lives saved. And what was his word from God on faith? He said, anyone can get a word. Anyone can get a vision. You actually have to do it. And faith must be released. If you believe something about marriage, you act on it. If you believe something about love, walking in love, you have to act on it. If you believe about giving, you have to act on it. If you believe about righteousness, you have to stand, put up the mighty shield of faith and resist that voice that's telling you you're not worthy, that God's holding you things for the things you did. Come against it with that shield of faith that covers everything. And act as though you have it. Speak as though you have it. And you'll have it. And it operates on many, many levels. It's not like this blanket form. It operates on many levels. It's all by grace. Okay? But faith must be released. Thank you for listening. We trust that you've been encouraged by the message. Please consider leaving a review and subscribing to receive new content. For more information about Redeemer Coast, visit www.redeemercoast.com. Or find us on social media where our handles are at Redeemer Coast. Until next time.